0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com recommend today. Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store
1: to make the switch today.
2: You know, you might think about taking Jesus Christ as your savior instead of fooling around with all this stuff. Ah. Jesus. Hey,
1: this is
0: Dirt and Sprague. I like him then He don't help the me,
2: I'm trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball?
0: With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. What the hell's going on out here? Well, Luke's scared because his eyelids are jammed in his old man's here. We need a live rooster. Was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Dirt and
3: Sprague on 1080. That's all we got.
0: One damn hit. I can't say
3: damn on the air. Don't worry. Nobody's listening anyway. The fan. The all right, welcome back in. Hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 the fan. Hope your Thursday's going well. We got Mike McAllister no, not Kevin McAllister's dad from Home Alone, Mike McAllister of Syracuse.com. Jim Boeheim forced in retirement. The university basically grabbed his arm and took it behind his back and bent it up and said, Get out of here, you old geezer. And so uh, he's forced to walk away. A very odd back and forth at the press conference between him and a reporter who is asking because he indicated that he had said, I'd retired. And so the reporter goes. So, are you retiring? And he goes, "That's up to the university." He is it weird? We got the audio. We'll get to it coming up. But I, I wanted to start the second hour. We we did a lot of basketball in the in the first hour there, as uh, Zion is going to be out and maybe done for the year, and then uh I'd basket blue balls, and then Draymond Green responds to the Dylan Brooks stuff. Uh, Diana Rossini, our good friend, who once upon a time was here in the Northwest and a Comcast yeah. uh, Sportsnet update anchor. She is now blown up, and she's a national prominent NFL reporter and now mother. She reported this morning feels like it's at the finish line between Rodgers and Woody Johnson. They've met multiple times. Woody Johnson and the Jets are feeling really confident they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. And yesterday, Swag, I don't know if you've ever been to this place as a sports fan. I don't, I don't think I have. Oh, actually, maybe I have. Uh, and I actually ended up getting my way. Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio uh, said he would cut off a finger to get Aaron Rodgers on his New York Jets. You ever been there as a fan where you want to cut off uh, a finger, an arm, a something to, in order to get an athlete on your team who no, may or may not No, I haven't been
2: willing to offer up an appendage yet okay. for, right. for that.
3: Okay, well...
2: I don't know if that, you know, I think that speaks to your fandom. Not a full diehard
3: fan or not, but uh but yeah. I would argue you ditching your team after like forty years is more of an indicator of your fandom. There's only so much I could take. I know. Kind of like Syracuse with Jim Beheim. Did we end up setting a date for your fandom announcement? Well when does actual it's
2: it's I I need to agency. When does the NFL free agent signing period begin? Like everybody's they got to they got to get through the franchise tagging thing. Then they have to set the salary cap. Then teams right. have to get they got to cut guys so they can get under the salary cap.
3: It's in exactly uh 6 days. It's okay. March 15th. Okay. So you got March 15th. That's the day you are going so to So yes, so I I'm,
2: I'm going to go to my uh my darkness retreat in Bend with my son this weekend. And uh, part of the trip will be spent in self-reflection, a contemplative state. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's a basement uh, somewhere that's, you know, subterranean.
3: (laughs) I feel like you know who you're going to pick.
2: And you're uh, just not saying. I've actually waffled of late. Really? Yeah. Okay.
3: All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it.
2: So, Um, And then, uh, yeah, and I'm still working uh, with the the nephew is – I'm going to have to come in there and help, aren't I?
3: No, the controller's dead. It's literally oh, not working. Um, Perfect. Well, the Jets are going to get Rodgers.
2: That appears it to be... It looks like uh, it's going down going down that path.
3: I think there's a lot of Jets fans that are like Greenberg. Not really going to cut the finger off, but like, you know, it was like, we're desperate. Well, I know.
2: Well, I mean, they haven't... I mean, Rodgers seems like he might have more in the tank left than Favre. Yeah, but Favre, I mean, they got off to like
3: an eight and three start with Favre and then he got hurt and, you know, he he couldn't keep it up. Uh, You know, for me, I've made it clear. I've had, you know, Rodgers fans come at me and, you know, oh, he's still really, dude, he really could still be good. I just, last year was problematic on a lot of in a lot of ways. And I don't know, you know, maybe there was an injury going on that, that we didn't quite hear about enough or... You know, maybe there was. You can argue about the targets, right? Yesterday we talked about Lamar Jackson and how he doesn't. He's never really had great targets. My argument to that is he chose to let Devontae Adams go to the Raiders, get paid, so he could get his sixty million dollar payday. So he kind of put himself in that situation. Um, but when you look at the Jets and you evaluate what they have and you add a Rogers, if Rogers plays exactly how he played last year, okay, let's just for argument's sake say it's that level if not even slightly better, the Jets are in the playoffs. The Jets are a dangerous team because I think the Jets have the defense and the defensive coach to be able to scare the living hell out of whoever they face. Now maybe even Rodgers playing at that level because Zach Wilson was, my God, that bad. Maybe that Rodgers not throwing 300 yards in a game, but You know, completion percentage can be somewhere in the high 60s, if not 70s. He uses some of what they have. He's got an offensive rookie of the year uh, to throw to. Maybe, maybe that even wins their division. Look, uh, Buffalo deserves all the credit and all the, you know, they'll be the favorite and all that. I'm not suggesting Buffalo's going to stumble majorly and and not have a shot, but they lost their defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Jordan Poyer might be gone now. Micah Hyde dealt with a neck thing all year, and they got
2: to figure out to have a running game. That's they don't have a running game. Your quarterback yep. can't be your leading rusher, yeah,
3: right? Well, yeah, that's it,
2: the way that they play. <laughs> right?
3: They need a running game to balance them out. I think that's what the playoffs are teaching us about the Bills. The Bills are a very good team. They got to have a running game. They don't have a running game. Um, and if you told me Buffalo, Von Miller's, you know, another year older, if Buffalo is in a position where defensively, they don't take a step forward. They stay where they at, if not take a step back, and then they still don't address it. I, I could see a scenario where the Jets or the Dolphins or, hell, maybe I'm shortchanging even the Patriots because now they have a real offensive coordinator. I just I think we look at the AFC and we see Burrow, we see Mahomes, we see Allen, Lamar, if he's healthy and playing for Baltimore. We see these dudes and we go Herbert with the Chargers. We see these guys and we say, eh, why do you want to go there? The NFC. The NFC is open, especially when you talk about the quarterback position. But New York's got pieces there in place. They got a little swagger to them. Sauce Gardner going into Green Bay and wearing a cheese hat postgame, said he's ready to uh, shred the cheese if they get Rodgers. Have you seen on Twitter? You probably haven't. But no. You've seen on Twitter lately the last couple of days – All these New York Jets players starting to tweet out things to him. They're like directly, they're tampering. They're basically saying, Rodgers, come here. I think it was uh, one of their players just tweeted him a highlight of his golf round with Tom Brady and said, I know plenty of great courses in the New Jersey area. They're, they're opening their arms and saying, come here, yeah. be the piece that we desperately need because if you can get that piece, they were already close without it. And
2: I think that will resonate with Rodgers. That's the one thing that he never has felt with Gutenkunst and that crew in, Go- in Green Bay where he was included as part of the decision-making process, part of those things. So if the players are all saying, you're the, you're the one that's going to take us over the top, I think that'll actually resonate with him more than maybe it would other
3: players. Rodgers on the Jets. I'm going to put this up as a poll question at Dirt and Sprague. Rodgers on the Jets. Super Bowl contender, yes or no?
2: Super Bowl contender. Can
3: they beat Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game with Rodgers? Can they beat Josh Allen in Buffalo? Can they go to Cincinnati and beat Joe Burrow? Can Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence are also two young quarterbacks? Sitting right there, made these steps certainly, to get to the playoffs.
2: Yeah, certainly the the defense. I think with that defense, you feel like you're always going to be in a game, so you don't. So there's not pressure to have to score thirty five or forty to give yourself a chance to win. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, yeah. Now I think they're going to play a lot of close games. So they, and that's if you're going to be in close games, who would you rather have under center in the fourth quarter in a one score game? If you got to make a drive either to get the winning score or to hold the ball so you can close out with a winning score game, there's not too many guys at the top of that list with Aaron Rodgers.
3: Is he, so he's on that list for you right now? You trust him? Because he's had some moments, man. You can say what you want. Yeah, you I can know. be pro-Rodgers. The playoff games the last couple of years, the Lions game, like some of these yeah. results are not ending that Well, way. I
2: think the main thing will be is how quickly can he gain trust with his receivers and stuff to know, okay – I mean, that was the whole thing. He just didn't trust. He just did not trust his offense. He
3: started trusting uh, the the the, Watson kid at the end. Found one guy. Dobbs a little bit, but yeah. But
2: yeah, if he knows what he can trust and can build that trust quickly, then he's like, all right, I know what to do. So if he trusts it, he knows exactly what to do.
3: Diana Rossini reporting, seems like it's pretty close. And then on the Jets' end, they feel like they're ultimately going to be able to get him. Um and so it could be during the show, could be after the show, but we might find out today at some point or maybe tomorrow that Rodgers and the Jets are going to go in. Now what's the trade scenario look like? I don't know. I don't know what Green Bay gets. I don't know how the financials work. This is the sticky part because
2: I think the Packers know the Jets might have tipped their hand at this point. So how much Yeah, they're all will in. They're Green all in Bay mm-hmm. try to, you know, Hold Woody Johnson a ransom to to get what he wants.
3: That's the part like we can talk about the team and what he means on them and, and how truly of a contender are they. That's the part that hasn't been talked about that much. It's just like what is the trade package look like for Rodgers? Because, you know, that's the what, fifty eight point whatever million dollars he's gonna make. So be yeah, due.
2: so it'll be okay, how much how much draft capital do they get to buy down the amount of that balloon payment that the right. Jets will be on the hook for?
3: Uh, you ever been forced to do something you didn't want to do because we had a very, very long-time college basketball coach be forced to do that? We'll talk about it next. Dirt and Spray on the fan.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
3: we got Mike McAllister, who covers Syracuse, coming up here at uh, the bottom of the hour for the Daily Ticker. So yesterday, I look up at the TV at my gym, and I see a Jim Boeheim-Syracuse team playing Wake Forest in the ACC Tournament. And bayheim has been weird for, it feels like, six, seven, eight years now. I don't know how long Mike Hopkins. six years. How long has Mike Hopkins been at UW? I mean, whatever that time frame is. He's been there, I want to say, at least five years. So let's take a way back machine real quick. Mike Hopkins was a longtime assistant for Bayheim. He was supposed to be the next, you know, coach. He was told, you're the coach in waiting when Bayheim retires. And when that time came that he thought he was going to be the guy, Beheim went, nah, I'm going to keep coaching. So Hopkins left. He went to UW. It has not gone well for him. And so they've played this game of, uh, you know, Beheim retiring, not retiring at a press conference uh, a few days ago where he basically said, the nut jobs who call into my radio show are not real Syracuse fans. They don't go to the games. Do you think you get 26,000 people at our games if people want me gone? And he's been doing this. He's been fighting this narrative for a while. This whole, like, you're still good. Syracuse has not been a good basketball program for a long time now. And yesterday, they lose at the buzzer to the team he accused of buying their team. Wake Forest was one of the teams he publicly accused of buying their team and their talent. So I loved that they hit him with the uh, bye-bye in the ACC tournament yesterday. And then he gets to the postgame. And, you know, he's been picking his nose. He's been pissing his pants. This dude's been kind of, it feels like he should have retired a decade ago, personally. But he's been hanging around because he's a legacy. And I watched this on TV Swag, and I'm thinking, when does a program truly tell a legend it's time to go? Like, I I came up with a question I was going to ask before all of this stuff happened, where I throw a scenario at you and i say how many years would it take before nick saban is pushed out at alabama how many seasons of not getting to a playoff of not beating georgia of not winning a championship how many years would that be saban i would imagine is going to get a longer leash uh and time to write the ship than a lot of guys but that's basically what beheim has been doing at syracuse they've not been good they've been irrelevant for a decade And Syracuse is just sitting there like, I guess we have to keep him because he won a championship once and he's been here since the 70s? And then finally the breaking point happened. Yesterday, he had to retire after they lost to Wake Forest, but he announced it in the weirdest way possible. Take a listen to the postgame press conference.
0: I I think you missed it. I gave my retirement speech on the court
2: last Saturday and I gave it in the press conference afterwards and nobody except William, William Payne figured it out. So, so are, you, are you saying right now that you're, you, you're going to retire? This is up to the university. You, you want to come back? I didn't say that. Uh, okay, but, so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, but you're I not saying- I just said it. I don't know. So you don't know. Okay.
0: I said this is up to the university.
2: And you, you're not sure whether you're- when will you, when will, How will you make a determination about when you will come back?
3: You're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I gave my retirement speech a week ago. Everybody (laughs) missed it, but it's up to the university. So, are you retiring? You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah. What? And right before that, there was about
2: a three minute just rambling. uh, Yeah. He was talking about his team and where the program's at, and yeah, he thinks his program's in a good spot.
3: Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's it's not. Breaking news. It's not in a good spot. You lost to Wake Forest in the opening game of the ACC tournament. You're playing
2: on a Wednesday in the ACC
3: tournament. I mean, he's been there for 47 years.
2: I wonder how hacked he is at the move to the ACC that football
3: from big East to the ACC. Cause Syracuse was a basketball school. They are. They're a basketball
2: and school. they should have been in the big East and mm-hmm. they should have stayed in the big East and football could have gone independent and done their own thing. But yeah,
3: you I, think yesterday's decisions more about that than it is like,
2: no, there was a piece in there where he talked about the transfer portal. Yeah. He's, he's been curmudgeonly old and, school guy, and, yeah. and I think he's just, I don't think he wants to do the things you have to do at this in this current world of college basketball at the Division One level to be successful.
3: Well, I don't think he's capable either. By the Little way, the, yeah, like, he he might not like. But it, as but for I'm when capable. the
2: uni, when it's time for the university, mm-hmm. it's when the checks stop coming in. That I mean, that's pretty much it. If your donors or big boosters are coming to you and say, "Uh, it's time time to let him go." That's when you do
3: it. But the weird thing about that, I mean, I think you, I mean, you could be right, but the weird thing about that is he's publicly, he's been maintaining that all of that stuff is still status quo. We still have all the support. Yeah, there's no worries at all about where our program is. He had a big rant where he kind of went. He's been going at the media. Yeah, People, I don't know how many people are aware of this. I, I think no. a lot of people are. But for those not educated on Jim Beheim stuff, and that's okay. I interned for a radio host in Seattle who went to Syracuse yes. and started his career there. Mitch Levy used to tell the worst stories of Jim Beheim. Yeah. Beheim brought him in as a student media member, a student, brought him into the office and basically undressed him. Said, Who the hell do you think you are? I'm God here, not you. Like that dude on campus and around to some of those media members can be an absolute douche canoe. And I think you pick that vibe up sometimes when he talks. But I, that, that press conference yesterday, like Cheshevsky goes out. He has the swan song, the tour, you know, ultimately loses to Carolina in Final Four, but has like the walk-off. Roy Williams kind of announces, I'm walking away. This is it for me. That's one of the strangest retirement announcements maybe in sports history from a long-term coach of a, yeah. of a team or a program. I mean, the university
2: will give you, you know, they'll, they'll let you take your final bow and you're going to do that. I
3: don't know if they will. That I, I think you act weird that well, way. Well, you have
2: to take the final bow. That's yeah. the thing. You have to say thank you to everybody and you have to take the bow and, and he actually to. exit the stage right. left, and he wouldn't do it.
3: I think he got off the court. and I'm going to
2: stand here until the dude with the hook comes gets me.
3: I think the athletic director or a representative, a president, whatever, of the university, I think they met him right off the court and said, yeah, you got to go. This is off. We just lost a Wake Forest. We were the nine seed in the ACC. Like, Despite what conference you're in, Having a guy of 47 years, I, that's the tough thing. Kansas State went through this with Bill Snyder at the end. Bill Snyder was like, I want my kid to be the uh, the new coach once I leave. And Kansas State was like, the hell that will happen? Get out of here, you old fart. And Kansas State made the right decision. They went and got their own guy, and they won the Big 12 this year in football. Like They, they continued the success that Bill Snyder had established. Syracuse... I think was just for years stuck in this spot. And here's the other part. Not that he didn't deserve to maybe go out on his own at some point. But like continuing to hang around and lead the university on of like, oh yeah, Hopkins is gonna he's gonna be my he's gonna be the head coach after I leave. Yeah. I and then he sticks around for another six, seven years. Like, I don't know. Like he had a lot of success, and he kind of is Syracuse when you think of Syracuse basketball, but also he got you one chip. Yeah. There were a lot of disappointing seasons in the tournament for Syracuse men's basketball. They probably feel like they had other years. They should have won multiple. Oh, with Derek Coleman, they should have won at least one. And they didn't. And I'm not saying he's not a good coach, but, like, I don't know. Should they have kept on? I asked, I'll ask Mike McAllister this. Yeah. Why did they hold on for so long for a guy that won them one championship? Not that that doesn't matter, but... I don't know, 47 years is such a lengthy time. Like That should have been cut down to like 39, personally. That should have been like a 39 years. Okay, that's hell of a run. Most guys never spent 39 years in one spot. You did, but they allowed him to play out the clock until they couldn't handle it anymore. And yesterday, I don't care who says what publicly, I think his statement in that press conference, that bizarre back and forth with a reporter, I think that's a clear indication. They basically told him, get the hell out of here. We're not publicly firing you. You're retiring, but you're out. As I don't know how else a guy says I retired, but like won't just say outwardly I'm retired. I don't know. That was just such a bizarre ending to a coaching career that took that long, 47 years. And Syracuse, I think, finally uh, reached their breaking point. I do want to ask Mike McAllister about this coming up next. Because we we just don't have coaches coach that long at places. What took so long? Was he forced out? What's next for Syracuse? And then we'll move on and uh we'll go to uh two athletes who are in trouble. We got Ken Barkley at eight. We got a lot more to get to, but Mike McAllister
1: In this wide world of
2: sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How do you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker, with Dirt and Sprague on 1080
3: The Fan. All right, Daily Ticker time here on The Fan, and uh, yesterday... After a disappointing season and showing in the ACC tournament in 47 years, uh, Jim Bayheim had one of the weirdest post-game press conferences of all time, where we weren't really sure, but we kind of were, but we really weren't. And then he he retires. The school and him announced he's retired. He's done. He's over. Uh, Mike McAllister is joining us now. You can find him on Twitter at Mike McAllister One of a Fan Nation covering Syracuse. Mike, good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us on the West Coast. What What was your thoughts? Because I saw this press conference in the back and forth. I, just, I thought it was a really bizarre press conference. What did you make of how he announced he was kind of retiring?
1: It was very bizarre. However, my takeaway from it was it was very different than the way that he has addressed whether or not he's coming back in the past it's not the first time towards the end of the season or at the end of the season that he's been asked that question it seems like the last i don't know five six seven years almost every year that question is asked um and you know that happens when you've been around as long as he has and and you're starting to get up there in age 78 years old then you know naturally that's going to be the question on everyone's mind so in the past he's he's been very dismissive almost um you know, insulted by the fact that that he would be asked that question and, you know, made snide remarks to whoever was asking the question in the first place and said, you know, why wouldn't I come back? Of course, I'm coming back. And those types of comments this time, as as we saw yesterday, it was very, very different. So when I my takeaway from that was, I think he is retiring. He just doesn't want to announce it right now. And, and I'm not sure 100% why that is. Perhaps there's Uh, you know, some sort of buyout situation with his contract that he didn't want to say he's retiring because then he loses the ability to, uh, you know, to get that, or perhaps he just didn't want to deal with the follow-up questions of announcing it right at that exact moment could be a a variety of reasons. But Either way, I came away from that very convinced that he was not going to be coaching at Syracuse um, after that point.
3: Well, you know, Mike, it's, it's interesting. I I said earlier earlier, You know, I'm 36, and you grow up with some of the giants of this game. Like Kucheski retires last year, and he gets all the fanfare, and he gets to the final four. And Roy Williams the year before that, and now it's Beheim who's been at Syracuse for 47 seasons. Some of these giant name and coaches they're, they're they're starting to depart and not be the coaches anymore. Is it is it not odd though that he didn't maybe just have a season where he says this is kind of it for me, and we'll see what we do and kind of get the flowers and the fanfare and I i don't know I just I I'm not a huge fan of him personally I think he kind of treats some media members not great but I, it's a little odd to not in your last season say this is my last year and kind of do the ESPN tour and you know the games on prime time even though the team wasn't that good to not get the recognition of one last season where he's been for so long
1: yeah I certainly understand that thought process um I'll I'll say this one. I'd want I'd throw Jay Wright in that conversation with those uh, greats that you mentioned. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think he's he's a bit underrated and forgotten sometimes when when we mention those. Obviously, not to the same level as Shashovsky and Roy Williams, but still an all time great coach. Um, but as far as Bayheim goes, I don't think it's his personality. I don't think he he's expressed multiple times that he has never doesn't want to do the retirement tour thing. And it, right after Coach K did that you know, Beheim was asked, is that something you're going to do? And he said, no, I don't really have any desire to do that. That's not really something I want. So, I, I think doing that would have been more for everyone else, not something he wanted to do. And, sure, there's certainly an argument that says, you know, you should do that for the program, for everyone else around you, allow everyone to reminisce and celebrate for the fans and all that. But at the end of the day, I think – Beheim being done coaching, this is probably the most Beheim way it could have gone down. It's just not really the way everyone else does it. Does it kind of his own way and does it with um, you know, some people having a bad taste in their mouth and other people saying, Well, wow, that's Jim Beheim.
3: Yeah. Uh he's on Twitter at McAllister Mike One, give him a follow. Mike McAllister's our guest here, publisher of Syracuse on Fan Nation. Um, and find his great work, the SI.com College Syracuse link. You can find it in his Twitter account. He's been covering Syracuse for, for a little bit here now. Now, Mike, I, I'm curious where fans are at on this because he had a bizarre post game the other day where they lost and he basically went toe to toe with the media and said, you know, the people that call into radio shows, those aren't the real fans. We had 26,000 fans here, those are real fans and they're not mad and they're not complaining. Is he right on that, or have Syracuse fans been here for a minute where, you know, you thank the guy, he's been there for so long, he won a championship, but, you know, when you pull the plug on a guy who no longer seems to have it, is probably not the easiest decision. Where have fans been on behind the last few, uh, you know, few years? I would
1: say that starting towards the end of last year and into this year was when you saw the... I'm ready to move on from Bayheim bandwagon growing, um, especially amongst diehards. Now, there is still a large portion of the fan base. I think to some extent, Bayheim is right with that comment. Not to say that there aren't diehard, passionate fans that are critical of Jim Bayheim or wanted a change in the program and new blood and a fresh start and all of that. There certainly were. But I think there's a, a portion of the fan base, however large it may be, that has said, Beheim has been the coach for as long as I've been a fan, and I don't want anyone else to be the coach. And sure, there are struggles, but you know he has had such a great track record, I think he can turn it around, or I'm still satisfied with whatever. There are certainly those fans, and a lot of those fans are not going to be the ones that are calling in um, after games and going on social media and just randomly tweeting out how much they love Jim Beheim they're pretty much just going to go to games watch and go about their business. Um, usually it's the critics that are the loudest and most vocal and most frequently vocal. I think that's basically what Beheim was trying to get at, even if he said it in a little bit more of a condescending way than that. Um, but like I said, the last year to year and a half, the I want Beheim gone because I'm ready for a fresh start Um mentality among fans more and more have been jumping onto that bandwagon. And it's basically because you've had the double digit loss seasons for seven, eight, nine years in a row, whatever it is. And up until the last couple of years, you know, you could say, but he's never had a losing season. They were still going to the NCAA tournament. They were still making runs in the NCAA tournament. Now you've gotten rid of the no more losing seasons. They had one last year, two years in a row without um, the postseason of any kind, NIT, not even, you know, NCAA tournament aside, not even the NIT or something like that. And that starts to snowball on itself. But largely, you know, when they take a step back, they have gone, you know, 95% of the fan base to borrow a percentage from a comment behind made not too uh, long ago. of the fan base is going to take a step back, appreciate what he meant to Syracuse basketball, and uh, think only positively about what his legacy was to the program and to the game as a whole.
3: Uh, Bizarre ending, but it's over. Jim Boeheim, 47 years yesterday, abruptly retires. Syracuse loses on basically a buzzer beater to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament. And so what seemed like something that was going to happen the last few years. It finally did happen, and... um, they departed it did feel like a big force out. I know they they called it retirement, but the way it all kind of unfolded to me felt more like the university going, Look, we don't publicly want to say we fired Jim Beheim. It's been forty seven years, so let's uh let's strong arm this guy into retirement. It had that vibe to me.
1: Yeah, you're not alone on that. Um there's there's a lot of people that have theorized the same thing i've i've kind of gone back and forth on that myself um you know i've i've heard some rumblings that he wanted to come back um yeah. there's some people that say he's always going to want to come back because that's just the competitive nature of of who jim bayham is and and what has made him you know a, a all-time great coach for almost 50 years is that extreme competitive nature but then you know that can also be Uh, your own worst enemy to some extent when you get into situations like this. But then I've also heard, as I mentioned before, that, um, you know, it was more about, you know, the buyout situation, not wanting to answer questions and and all that, you know, I'm sure there's probably some truth somewhere there in the middle. Um, And I'm also sure that, you know, someone's going to do some investigative report and we'll get some more specifics on it. And then someone won't look good and they'll deny that that's the way it happened. You know how (laughs) all of that always goes down. Absolutely. uh, you know, it, it, there are certainly elements to this that felt like that. I think most notably was the press release lacking a quote from Coach Beheim. That is the biggest red flag to me that, you know, there's at least part of this that he was not on board with.
3: Absolutely. Mike McAllister covers Syracuse for uh, Syracuse Fan Nation. Find him on Twitter, at McAllisterMike1. Uh, Mike, we appreciate the time out here in Portland. Thanks for hopping on with us and uh, giving us the lowdown on the Jim Beheim sudden retirement, man. It's good stuff from you. Thank you.
1: Thanks, guys. Keep taking care of Jeremy Grant for us out there. Ah,
3: we will, man. We will. We love having him and uh, probably going to give him that contract extension. There you go. Mike McAllister, Syracuse Fan Nation on the Jim Bayheim thing. You know, the statement from the university with no quote and the sudden retirement, weird postgame press conference. I, I definitely think they grabbed him and said, uh, Jim, we can do this the, the the easy way or we can do this kind of the messy way where you get fired and it's, you know, you don't want to end with a firing. You want to end with a mutual parting uh, of the ways. Good stuff from Mike McAllister. Right, Coming up next, two athletes are in trouble for different reasons. Tell you who that is next. Dirt and Sprague on The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Uh, Quick heads up for you guys. Fan Madness presented by Lowerwood Brewing Company. We have a two-week event this year. It's coming back for the first time since uh, pre-COVID. Next Thursday, Friday, out at the Sports Stadium Bar at Aylin' A., Danny Dusty, Primetime with Isaac and Suk will broadcast uh, both days. You can gamble at the sports book. And then the following week on Thursday, Friday, March 23rd and 24th from noon to 7 at X-Golf Tualatin and X-Golf Vancouver. And you can also participate in the nationwide X-Golf St. Paddy Scramble Fan Madness presented by Laurelwood Brewing Company, crafting community since 2001. More info. At ten eighty thefancom we have got two athletes currently in a little bit of trouble right here.
2: You threw me when you said athletes because I was assuming current athletes. The 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 second one, yes, I did see this and I just
3: did the curious puppy dog don't know what's going on head turn. So yesterday, uh, I'm doing the live watch party with Meringue. Blazers are playing the Celtics and. Boy, I-
2: hope there was lots of libations to get you through that.
3: Uh, you know, we Danny was high on Percocet. So exactly. we, that was kind of what we were watching more than it was the game itself. Yeah. Um, tune in for Danny Dusty. I'm sure he'll pop in at some point incredibly high through his skull, giving commentary on something. But yesterday th- during that game, it pops up on the internet. Sean Kemp has been arrested and booked on an alleged drive-by shooting that took place at the Tacoma Mall. Yeah. Now, my family, I have a, one of my brothers, was at the Tacoma Mall. He lives not far from it, and he drove. And as he was driving, he saw Sean Kemp being. Yeah, handcuffed. you can't
2: miss a 610 guy getting stuffed into the back
3: of a squad car. Yeah, but he couldn't tell who it was because it was from the back. He's like, that's yeah. a really tall guy they're arresting. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, TMZ gets the video and it leaks on the internet. Sean Kemp is alleging his personal stuff was stolen. He pinged it at Tacoma Mall. Uh, Addressed to the people that took it and they shot at him and he shot back in self-defense. That's what Sean Kemp's claim is. There's other problematic video out there where Sean Kemp, according to some witnesses, actually fired first and then tried to dump his gun into one of those, you know, fir bushes. And then he waved the cops over to point to them because they fired back to get them in trouble. Police found the gun. He was then arrested and uh, he's he's been booked in Tacoma P- by yeah. Tacoma PD.
2: We'll be following this because there's way too many questions for a, a short segment
3: here. Uh, that's true, but and also just really, you know, this goes into the jaw territory. Man, what are we doing? You were worried. I don't care what. What they is stole. Sean Kemp doing at the Tacoma Mall? I, I don't know, man. He started a weed company in Seattle, Kemp's Cannabis. Okay. And there's a photo of him actually at the facilities in front of the plants. Well, with it his makes co- sense if workers.
2: there's if he's got a location at the Tacoma Mall. That's like the perfect location.
3: Well, I don't know if that was in Tacoma. But, I think it's in Seattle. He oh, drove okay. to Tacoma. There's rumors Yeah, that's that my question. If he doesn't have actual
2: business going on there, what is he doing at the Tacoma Mall?
3: That section of Tacoma is not great. And yes, I went to
2: school there. I lived there for like- Four years,
3: and it's gotten worse since you went there. Yes, it's problematic in that area. Um, My stepmom actually, she was at the mall when there was a shooting, and she was hiding in the food court because that's all they could do when they heard gunshots ring out not long ago. So, it's it's a bit of a problematic area. I lived over there actually for about six months. Um, but you know, you see this from Kemp, and you're just you kind of shake your head, and you just you hope that it's not what it sounds like. You hope there's maybe more to the story, or. He's not guilty of this, but if he is, man, like pfft. Sean Kemp getting in trouble. You, you, you hate to see that. Uh the other athlete, this one you knew about. Oh yeah, this one. Yeah, this one caught my eye,
2: and I saw the tweets or the inter- or whatever on the internet of the the legal filings and mm. all this. This this is juicy
3: and yeah. So the Players' Championship's going on. I'm watching them. I have one on my phone, but I you know, check in on a commercial break. Scheffler, Rory, and Rom are playing together. It's a great group. There's a prominent, famous golfer not at this event. Now, he probably wouldn't have been able to play. But if he was going to play before the Masters, he would have played this, this one. This was the one he would play, but he's not even there. And that golfer is one, Eldrick Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods. He is under a lawsuit right now by what appears to be now an ex-girlfriend, the one that... Well,
2: she's the one that you will recognize. Very short, dark brunette. She hugged
3: him at the Masters when he did it. Yes, she was with him for quite a long time. And they're no longer, I guess, together, and she has filed a lawsuit to lift the NDA because, you remember the old Chappelle skit when a famous guy, and he makes him sign an NDA so they can't talk about what he's like in bed. He's got an NDA for his love life, and she signed it and now she's fighting in court to lift the NDA and this all seems weird because the term sexual abuse has been filed yes but it's not been filed with his name attached to it she's well, not alleging yeah. he necessarily not did it
2: she's suing him she's suing well his estate his estate because that's where yeah. his residence or is or his LLC it. yes yes and so she's got she got duped into leaving the residence and then they changed the locks
3: and then they locked her out <laughs> he had basically his way of breaking up with her i i don't know all the details but i know what i read yesterday and the details in the court filings that we know of are that they kind he kind of tricked her into leaving and then when she got back she realized she couldn't get in that's like hey you're She's gone like, yeah and, and sh- she's now like, she's I need my stuff. She's suing the, the LLC and the entity for 30 million because she was, you know, she was displaced. She was unhomed yeah. and she had nowhere to go. And but here's the part that I, I think is important. We'll see where the lawsuit goes if they settle this and he's like, here's two million dollars, please go away. I don't think we should be quick to jump on El Tigre here. It might not be a fun way to do a relationship, having an NBA, yeah. locking somebody out. But there's a, there's motions in this filing. She's asking the judge to lift her ability to do interviews and talk about the relationship, to share photos, to share videos. And my first well, kind of thought and was... And she's
2: asking for clarification... Because I saw something about other family members, so if they were in a big group, so yes, yeah, she signed an NDA. But if she was with other family that were there and have pictures and photos and yeah. videos and other things of them, if they released them, like does the that violate or, the NDA? Yeah, the brother or exactly. The sister and,
3: and and my first thought, she wants reading, a book deal. Yeah, this what a book deal or you know paparazzi money or yeah, it just why do you care about the photos? Why do you want to lift those? Well, if I understand it, she,
2: originally how they met, she was running the restaurant at one of his golf courses or something like that. Probably. I, I think that's how they, or she, she was the restaurant manager at one of his properties that he owns or something like that. And that's how they first met.
3: Well, but the sexual abuse, well, I mean, he likes waitresses, uh, the sexual abuse thing. Like she put that in there and caught people's attention. It doesn't actually, she doesn't cite his name with no. it. And it's like if that if he did yeah. it when you put the name next to it. So I, it's messy. It's messy for El Tigre right now. Uh, the Players Championship's underway. Kyle how is your leader at five under? Uh, he's through eleven right now. Billy Horschel, who just played that course with the Barstool guys, he's at three under. Cantlay's at three under. See, will Kim is at four under. Uh, I think Rahm's at two. Rahm's so at two,
2: Scheffler one under. Rory's yeah, having a tough day.
3: Rory's spraying it all over the place. You got a nice little uh, Players' Championship leaderboard going on there. But, yeah, two athletes in trouble. Sean Kemp arrested for an alleged drive-by, though it does not I don't know. He, Anyways, he's, he's arrested. We'll see if we get more information on that today. And Tiger Woods is stuck in a lawsuit with his ex-girlfriend who he locked out of his house. Uh, loaded final hour. We kick it off with Ken Barkley of You Better, You Bet. We
4: get to that next hour three. Dirt and spray on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.